welcome to Taking Care of Business. I'm Jackie Mitchell. An area of business and vital to many businesses for sustainable growth is often overlooked, and this is the area of membership. Membership and customer loyalty are intrinsically linked. And today we have two of the best brains in the business world in both areas. I'd like to welcome Alison McDowell. Alison's a marketing leader, specialist in membership. She's worked with the RACV, Zoos Victoria, has been a judge on tourism awards and is director of marketing for Roadmap Strategy. Ali, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jackie. Good to have you here. And also, good friend of the show. She's been on. She's a, she's a pro. She could sit in this seat. <laughs> she's Event PR and Volunteer Management Specialist, Director of Fetching Events and Communication, Georgie Stacius. Welcome. Thank back. you for having me back. Always, always great to be here. Well, I always feel quite calm when you're in the studio. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so today we're talking about membership and customer loyalty, and this is a topic that uh, we haven't covered on the show in six years about membership. Uh, and it was your idea to talk about membership, and I went, that is a great idea for a show because a lot of businesses or their business model is based on membership. So let's go back to what is membership and how can membership be used in a business to drive revenue and drive marketing activity? Mm. Look, membership is like a community. So it's people with a common interest coming together. The reason I chatted to you about having this show is I work with a lot of not-for-profits and associations that are constantly coming up with the problem of our memberships declining. We can't grow membership. 20 years ago, we used to have thousands of members. Now we don't have many. And it's about identifying now what that means to be a member, mm. um, which is a challenge that people are facing. But it is that that coming together with that common interest, that um, common connection and, and a community. Yeah, that's important. Uh, Alison McDowell, great to have you on the show. Uh, first time on, so thanks for coming into the studio. Now, I'm curious, uh, your business roadmap strategy, tell us a little bit about that. What do you so, do? We basically build brands and connect those brands through tactical and strategic um, direction with their target customers. Okay. So identifying the audience, really understanding who the customer is, what the customer wants, what the customer needs, and then connecting that with that organisation for the benefit of both parties. Yeah, it's a good business name, good brand name, Roadmap Strategy. I thought, I thought you'd answer like that. It sort of says what it is. Now, your background, you've worked for the RACV and Zoos Victoria. Now, they're huge membership-based organisations. So let's, uh, for instance, the RACV, uh, is membership their major source of revenue or how does it work? No, their major source of revenue, I would expect, is still insurance, as it was when I was there. Okay, Um, But they are a mutual organisation, so they have something like 2.3 million members, and those members own the organisation. So they will guide the direction, and and historically, the the driver that pulled those people together was that they had cars. Hence, that evolved into maps and road service, and one of their founding members was George Broadbent who developed all of the maps. Oh, I didn't know that. So that's how um, RACV commenced, and they then continued to add on, as their member numbers grew, additional services. So members identified that they needed insurance for their cars, and their members wanted insurance for their homes. So their services have 
have expanded as their membership has expanded accordingly. And based on what the members' needs are and the members' wants are. So it's really interesting looking at it from that perspective. Why do you think they started off as a membership organisation? Was that strategically thought about or did it just... Well, it was, how it, happened? it was exactly the size. From memory, it was started off by nine people who mm. had cars in Melbourne. And exactly what um, Georgie said, it was a, a connection of people with a common interest and they had a car. So they would meet and go for a drive on a Sunday. They were a car club mm. and they got the Royal Charter during the First World War when they would drive servicemen around. Right. So hence the Royal Automobile Club of Victoria. Yeah, okay. So it's, it's good to know stuff like that. So... The key to their success has been around their membership, the RACV, and understanding who their members are, which would be important, and what their wants and needs are and responding to those. Has that been your experience when you were working there? Absolutely. Members' needs always came first, Mm. and all conversations around the organisation were always about what the members wanted, how would our members feel about that if we did that. So members were always the top of the tree with the organisation and and to the point that in the 20s when there were very few cars on the road, if a member drove past a patrolman, the patrolman had to stop and salute the member. Really? I wish they'd do that now. (laughs) I'm an RACV member. You're an RACV member, Georgie. Are you still a member? I am. Imagine. Well, they'd just be constantly saluting (laughs) because there's so many members. But I think that's been a real key to their growth. What about Zoos Victoria? How was their membership program built? Their membership program was built um, by a group of people who were passionate about the zoo. So it actually started outside the zoo and it was known as Friends of the Zoo. Mm, That's right. And then a number of years ago, it was then taken over by the organisation as zoo membership and is primarily connected with families. I suppose that was the target market, but connected with families who would come to the zoo often living in, in the inner suburbs and it was like their playground. That's where they would come on a Saturday afternoon for yeah. a quick walk and you didn't have to spend hours there. They could come and go. But So the heart and the essence of the zoo is part of it, but also the conservation aspect of the zoo, which is very, very important. to. Yeah. to... So back to the concept of membership, it's an interesting one, is it really goes back to our sense of belonging. So it's mm. really basic tribal human behavior it's how we're hardwired and that's why membership works so well and the extension of that have been you know loyalty programs which a lot of businesses uh you know have uh but also that sort of that sense of belonging the commonality Mm. we've got these thing in we're all this in common and similar ideas and we're working towards this overall purpose of it Organisations that have a membership base, it's, uh, it's become quite a sophisticated marketing tool, I suppose. So, Georgie, in your experience working with a variety of organisations, how has it changed? What, what have been the trends in the membership area? Look, it's interesting. When you say it's sophisticated, some are, and there's ones that are still very unsophisticated. And it's, it, look, it always comes back to what's the purpose for the member of being involved with the member program. Um, and that can be, like Alison was talking with the RACV, that the organisation has evolved out of the needs of the members. But if the organisation doesn't understand their members, 
that's when it starts to fall down. Mm. So the f- sophisticated organisations have a clear idea through data that comes in as part of the, the membership um, model about their members. They've got the profile. They really understand their members. Organisations that struggle are often doing programs outside of what their members need. So they come back to, well, we need to grow the membership without understanding why people are a member or without paying that respect to why people are a member. And why people were a member 20 years ago is different to now. Why people were a member 40 years ago is different to now. And it comes back to that community that you were talking about because our sense of community keeps changing. So, you know, um, particularly for baby boomers, their sense of community might be different to Gen Z's sense of community. Sophisticated programs will cater to those different generations. Mm. One model won't fit everyone. Mm. So you've got to be agile as an organisation to tailor your membership models around that. Yeah, that's interesting that those that are, and we use the term sophisticated just for use of a better word, with membership, it's because the membership is a key part of its culture. Like you mm. mentioned, Ali, the RACV, you know, the saluting or the, RA, the, the RACV really understanding their members and then providing products and servicing them all the time. But it's part of the culture where organisations that you were saying don't sort of are unsophisticated or are not maximising the opportunity to to grow their business through their membership, it's disrespectful in a way as well, but it's not being part of the culture or the value of the organisation. Correct. And it, and it can happen quite easily because you, as an organisation, you're trying to do a whole lot of things and, and their, their thought is, oh, and we've got to do this for the members. The members are the organisation and it can easily be forgotten. And what they'll do is plan things without not necessarily consultation with members, but as I said, understanding what the members want because without fulfilling the purpose of the members, well, you just may as well not have a membership thing. So you could be doing the most wonderful things in the world. Ali and I were talking um, previously about an organisation I worked with which were planning some membership events. And, you know, we were about four meetings into this engagement strategy and then someone said, but our members don't like coming to these events because of, and it was around accessibility. Mm. So here they were planning this whole range, this whole program of events without considering that the members don't actually want to go to those events. So it can be that basic yeah. to really understand it's, the purpose. It's an absolute recipe for disaster when you start second-guessing your customers. And this is the irony, I think, is that if you've got a membership base, your customers are right there. Your primary customers are right there. You've got the data. You've got the information. You've already got their attention because mm. they're a member. Mm. So you're not even having to go and acquire. And it's about focusing on retention and servicing rather than acquisition. Is that another Abs- problem? Absolutely. Because often, or, and particularly because I work with not-for-profit and associations and those kind of groups, say so we need to grow the membership. You know, the membership used to be really large. It's not anymore. But what they're not doing is looking at who their members would be and why the member would want to be part of the organisation. So the organisation's solving their own problem of having low membership. What they need to be doing is solving the problem of their member of, um, say, one I was involved with uh, had hearing loss. So what does someone with a hearing loss, why do they want to be part of a community? Why do they want to be part of a membership rather than just saying, we need to grow the membership? So often organisations can do it back to front, mm. which from the start, you haven't built the members into the organisation. 
Yeah. yeah, well, you can just hold that thought. We're going to take a short break, have a bit of a sip of our coffee, and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. As we are talking today about membership and the links to customer loyalty I have here in the studio, our two special guests, Alison McDowell and Georgie Stacey. So just before the break, before Georgie, we were talking about the important elements in attracting members mm. and making sure that the, an organisation is giving members what they want, not second-guessing what they, what they want. So some of the ways that businesses and organisations get to understand their members. One would be when they fill in their membership form that they have, you know, good questions on there. Oh, absolutely. And it can, I th- it can be as simple as you, if you're holding a range of events, you start to see which events your members are coming to and which they're not. Oh, that's a good idea. And it's, mm. people don't, often with social media, you think you need some really sophisticated data collection. You don't. You can see which posts on your Facebook page, you're getting the most membership engagement. So you start to see what the needs of your members are when you're doing certain bits of information. So it's right there in front of you. Mm. Uh, and I think organisations forget that. Well, they certainly do forget it. And they often think it needs to be a much larger um, collection, but you've got your data there. And and you start to learn when people drop off as members and you try and re-engage with them, you can get a sense of, did they leave because they've moved state or because their time commitments have changed? So you can start to collect that. Then that's a really good point. When members leave, having almost an exit interview or having mm. some process or system in place to find out why, because that's when you start looking for common threads. So you're right, the information's there. They don't need to be commissioning market research, expensive market research every time. Okay, so we've attracted the members. We've got a business or organisation with a lot of members. What are some of the important elements in retaining members, Ali? Look, it's really connecting with them and it's understanding who they are, why they are, and connecting with them either on a personal basis, whether that's email, Facebook, um, face-to-face, at functions, connecting where they are and talking to them in a language that they respect and and admire, that they will become more connected and with And understand. You. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, how important is the value proposition, understanding? Can you explain a bit about that, what you think? The value proposition is basically understanding what your members want. So in the zoo, for instance, people wanted to know that during summer they could get there at 8 o'clock in the morning when the animals were, st- were still awake and weren't too hot rather than sort of walking in at 12 at, at lunchtime when everybody else came in at 9 o'clock. So it's about understanding what connects with the members, what they ho- most highly value and providing them with that service exceptionally well, okay. listening to them. Yeah, and uh, how do you keep members motivated any any ideas on on that so how do you keep them motivated through using communication again just understanding what they want and giving them what they want and talking back to them i will often say if you put a mirror up to your customer so if your customer says I want to do this and this and this. If you give them back exactly what they want, they will be delighted Mm. and they will share that story. And that's one of the things that members do. Members are so loyal to their club or association. They want to share the stories. They want you to give them information that they can can share with people and they want it first. Ah, So so there you go. There's one. Mm. They want it first. They want to feel special. Absolutely. And the focus on the F word, feeling. 
They want to feel special. They want to feel valued. That's why it's called mm. a value proposition mm-hmm. for those not under, never come across a value proposition before. But that word value is critical. And it's recognition. So mm. it's not that I sign up and I pay my membership and then the next time I hear from the organisation, apart from a few newsletters, is the next year when they need my membership renewed again. It's that recognition throughout the year. Uh, whether that's just updates in an email and depending on the organization because we talk about membership but there's so many different kinds of memberships so but it's it's recognizing their membership respecting their membership and giving them that feeling and and that platform to to have buying for want of a better term yeah, so yeah. uh you know with if it's a professional association and then you're running a conference that the members have the opportunity to submit a proposal to be on the speaking panel at the conference, mm. that the members put in a feedback form at the end of an event. So they're feeling that they actually have a voice and they're contributing. Well, what's in it for me? Correct. So what's yeah. the benefit of me? If I'm going to part with a certain amount of money to be a member, what benefit do I get in return? So it's that I suppose we mentally weigh up what the the cost benefit analysis in our own mind as to what it is and so we talked about membership organizations like zoos victoria racv the 10 local tennis club but there are businesses that have a membership element in it like the Qantas club so i i can be a member of the Qantas club and i get the benefits for it but i'm not part of Qantas. i'm not a member of Qantas per se that'd be a shareholder could it be re re-engineered so say a business is listening now they're looking at ideas for growth they're looking at ideas for maybe a new revenue stream or attracting new customers that they could implement uh, a membership scheme absolutely but there has to be the need for it so so rather than someone say i need to increase my revenue so i'll try and design a membership model the need's got to be there. So, and I'm working with a, an organisation at the moment who provides some professional services and they started up a product and they found that more and more people want it and it's actually evolved into what will be a membership model. Uh-huh. So they'll have a portal, people, um, they'll provide resources, it'll be online, but it's come out of the need of the clients that they're talking to mm. and that's where a successful membership model will work rather than them trying to create the need. Right. The needs there that they're responding to. Okay, so you think the future of membership is healthy? It is. Look, a lot of, particularly in the industry I work with, there it's declining because the nature of membership is changing, and we're moving from baby boomers to millennials. It's the biggest shift in human capital in history, so our behaviours are shifting. If organisations can be agile and can move and can change their membership models to respond to the needs of the members, it definitely will be healthy. But it's about being purpose-driven. Members will respond to organisations that are purpose-driven and have a clear purpose and that clear value proposition. Have you found that, Ali, in your uh, working world about that's the, the growth of membership? Uh, yes, and it, look, I agree with... Um Georgie, if you understand the needs of the members, but for a commercial organisation that's looking to implement a membership, they're looking at highlight or profiling a particular person. They need to understand what the benefit is, what's in it for that person. So is it going to be an extra discount? Is it going to be longer shopping hours? Is it something that somebody else doesn't get as a value add in a commercial environment? 
and then sharing things earlier. So you will probably get emails from people saying, we've gone on sale 24 hours early for our members only. Mm -hmm. They've got a gateway. We've got a Christmas shopping time for our members. It's something that's in an inner sanctum. It's only for special people and people want to be on that list and part of that community that can get something more than other people can get. That's a great tip. And in my experience with millennials, they love that. I mean, we all love it because we're hardwired, but they particularly, if they can get that super, super exclusive, so it's not just exclusive, it's like exclusive on steroids, you know, really, you get this, no one else can get this. That really, really floats their boat. Mm. And that, that talks, you know, right into what we were talking about earlier is understanding the generations. Mm. So the baby boomers and, and the sort of silent generation prior to them were very much about community and conforming and loyalty. So you had all your service clubs, your Rotary, your Lions Club, you know, came out of that. These, for, for sort of not-for-profit um, community memberships, but Gen Z um which is you know the newest one those millennials have a different need from a membership and a community and mm. it's organizations understanding that and also understanding they are going to be marketing to a whole range of generations as well so your membership needs to accommodate that that you're not just marketing to one type of person that you do need to have allowances for those different generations and yeah. and actually understand those generations mm. so it's like a menu but what I see is that they start providing the menu, they're halfway there, but then it becomes so complicated and it's so complex. You go, oh, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't understand it. So it's about having the range and the choice but still keeping it simple, I think. That's right, and I'm not saying they need a different membership for di different generations, but within the membership, it, different elements need to be attractive to the different um, generations. Yeah, Ali, what's in your experience now with um, Roadmap Strategy, your business, do you have a lot of membership organisations you work with? Not a lot. Um, but businesses with, that have membership? Yeah, no, not a lot at the moment, but I've worked with an awful lot. So mm. it's certainly it's a passion of mine and something that I've um, held very close and, and I agree. The simplicity, it's understanding who's your target market, what benefits they're looking for, and being able to very simply communicate those back to that person so that they will engage and take advantage of them. And I think it's, and again, understanding your target market and who your person is. So is it a, 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 a traditional membership organisation or offer that you need to do? Is it a loyalty program? So is it points and those sorts of things? Is it immediate gratification? Show your card and I will give you a free coffee when mm. you've bought 10. There's so many different models these days and membership has sort of has, has evolved from a mutual where corporate organisations have come in and said membership is fantastic. I can actually take advantage of this to make more money and get loyal customers, make more money out of them. And it also takes the lumpiness out of your income if you charge for your membership, yeah, because you've got this constant income, as a, so it removes the seasonality. Mm. We uh, really haven't talked much about loyalty cards. 
Uh, we've got a guest on uh, a bit later on the show from a company called Member Benefits Australia, and they handle loyalty programs for big companies like um, Mercedes-Benz, Lexus. They're doing a lot in automotive, the good guys, a number of big organisations. And I'm, I'm always fascinated by the concept of loyalty, but I, I, I know it's intrinsically linked to membership. Ali, have you had much experience in a loyalty card area or loyalty programs? Well, to me, loyalty programs are often a commercial organisation because they're not a club, so they don't have a membership. They call it a membership, but it's not. Um, so when I was with Big Four Holiday Parks, we had a commercial membership, um, which was we called it a club, mm. and members got a, a discount to stay. And it, from a business point of view, that gave us an enormous opportunity to communicate with those people, mm. increase our income from them, connect them with a product and a brand that they believed in very, very strongly. Um, so it was a win-win for all, all parts. Yeah, I think there's uh, there's real potential with growth with these loyalty programs. And what I'm seeing, and I'm, George, I'm interested in your view on this just as we wrap up, is that programs like you know Qantas Frequent Flyer or Frequent Flyer programs, travel, they've been probably the most sort of high-profile mm. and successful. And what a lot of organisations now are partnering with them. So there's a lot of collaboration going on, which is the big sort of big, the big 2018, one of the big words for 2018 is collaborating. But what organisations are doing is saying, uh, we will give so many points that you've earned through us back to a charity. So linking mm. to a social purpose. So they're linking in membership, they're linking in loyalty and the social purpose all in one. Have you come across that? I have a bit, yeah. Mm. And and you can clearly see that the membership organisation has probably done research to say that their members want to see some kind of social responsibility yes. program. Uh, it shows some altruism in a very corporate environment. So they're trying to tick all those boxes by tying in with a charity or, or showcasing that they work with a charity. Yeah, that's great. Mm. Well, we'll run out of time. Unfortunately, we have to leave it there. Oh, quick, no, once again, always a little parallel universe in here. Alison McDowell, thank you so much for coming. And if anyone listening wants to find out more about Roadmap Strategy, I suggest they Google Roadmap Strategy and they'd find you. They will. Or they'd find you on LinkedIn as well. Both. Thank you. Okay, Georgie Stacey's always a delight, fetching events and communication, and people can find you everywhere, all they your can, social yes. media Yes, links. search us. We're on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and, of course, our website. Wonderful. Well, thank you. I wish you continued success, and it's a really interesting, interesting area. So thanks for exploring that, and thanks for the idea. You're listening to Taking Care of Business as I'm picking the best brains in the business world, and we'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. Good to have your company today as we are talking about membership and customer loyalty. Now, a little bit earlier on we were talking about membership and the benefit of that and we touched on loyalty programs, but it's something I'd like to explore a bit more. And so we have with us the Managing Director of Member Benefits Australia, Devesh Sangvi. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jackie. Thanks for having me. Oh, great to have you here. Now, the Member Benefits Australia, just tell us quickly, what is it? Um, so it's a company um, that was formed probably seven years ago in its current shape. Um, we specialise in B2B programs, loyalty programs, um, but we've sort of extended out to B2C. Um, we were consultants of previously, probably about 10 years before that, and then decided to uh, actually make a go of it probably seven years ago. 
Okay, so it's basically you look after loyalty programs and membership benefits and business partnerships for corporates. Now, I know you're business-to-business and your business-to-consumer do two markets. Uh, you've got uh, some great clients along the lines of Audi, Lexus, uh, Avis, Bupa, good guys. Are they all your B2B clients? They are. So um, we work on uh, a few different levels, I guess, Jackie. One is we look at um, setting up an ecosystem um, with our clients uh, in, to enable them to create a platform, a loyalty platform that other either their consumers can play on or their business partners or suppliers can. Mm. So with the, uh, I guess, the luxury car manufacturers, they're always looking at um, certain types of demographics that they they want to directly market into. Mm. Um, so some of our clients, uh, say doctors or dentists or physios, they like to create uh, special offers or benefits, as we say, to market into them. Right. And so let's go back to loyalty programs or loyalty schemes. Why do they work so well in business? Uh, I just think that um, in this age and and probably forever, um, the customer is always looking for a a feel good, to feel good about themselves. And and not only because they're going to buy something or transact with a person, but they want to be acknowledged um, if they're going to be doing it on a more regular basis or a first-time experience. So loyalty in itself, I guess, is you've aligned yourself with a brand, and you're probably the better person to talk about that than me. <laughs> but um, because they've chosen that, they sort of want a little bit of acknowledgement. So I, I believe loyalty in itself, like loyalty programs, um, Australia probably over-indexes. In, in that space, mm. but to get it right is something that people, um, you know, it's probably struggle with. Okay, and so what trends or shifts have you seen in how businesses are managing loyalty programs? Yeah, so um, you probably say uh, a, a few statistics that probably nine out of ten Australians are part of a loyalty program, mm. um, and you probably, you know, um, the majority. Point five out of those ten are members of about six different loyalty programs. Um, the ones that you we all know probably are the Coles Flybys and the Woolworths, and then you, you go down to probably the Qantas frequent flyers or Velocity, and then you go down to probably retailers where it might be a Country Road or a Gimmick, um, and it it just seems that um, it's a communication tool. I think you know when you're not shopping in these or using those products, you still want to be made feel like you're part of the aura. Mm. So it's a really great way of engaging on another level. Yeah, it's interesting because I am uh, the biggest marketing um, chump there is. I get sucked in by all the marketing and I know why, but I still do it. I suppose that's why I love I love being in marketing as well. But, you know, I've got that many loyalty cards and I got, got to the point of saturation myself. To, and when everyone said, do you want to join the loyalty program? No. And the reason I said no was because I couldn't fit any more cards in my wallet. 
And so that was a barrier. For, I was looking at it for me, like looking at myself for research. And uh, and then a lot of them now are saying uh, you can just download the app and just have the app on your phone and you can scan it. And that's become a lot more effective as well. So it's good to see how programs are responding to how their customers or their members are utilising that program. 100%. Yeah. I guess it's... The greatest one is the emotional investment that they can get you to come on the journey with them on. So. Yeah, well, that's right. And to feel special. I mean, every customer wants to feel special. I suppose the ultimate goal is, or the pinnacle is brand loyalty. So this is, this is the, the road to brand loyalty, I suppose, is the loyalty program. But to go to, from loyalty, customer loyalty to brand loyalty. And by collecting points, you think, oh, you know, I better book with Qantas because I'm going to get points with them. I'm not going to get points with Virgin unless I join their program. And so it does, it does nudge you or makes you lean your decision making processes, I suppose, as to where you're going to choose to spend your money. But also, as you mentioned about feeling, it's really important that I'm feeling valued, that I'm feeling that there's a benefit, I'm feeling special, that they understand and get me as a customer. That's that's sort of the ultimate of what they want their customers to be thinking and feeling. Is that your experience? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and you touched on probably the greatest one, which is probably Qantas, as I believe, because it even gets you into that, that, you know, they've got the tiering model. So... Like you said, it's not only you do get Qantas points, but then, you know, I'm going to be a gold frequent flyer or a silver or a platinum. Mm. And, you know, it gets on this journey where you sort of, oh, I've got to fly with them because I'm nearly at that stage where I'll be treated differently. Mm. You know, all of a sudden that you're engaged in wanting to be treated the way that they've set up for you. So you're playing a part of their, uh, inside their fabric which is a really interesting concept. It is, and then the use of status credits, and they use the yep. word status. I've always found Correct. that fascinating because Correct. that's effectively <laughs> what it's making us feel like, that we're, we've got a greater status, you know, that we're, yep. that we're, feeling, that we're feeling more important. And uh, <laughs> I, don't know, I know, and it's absolutely, it's sort of a, like an emotional brainwash, but it works highly effectively, doesn't it? Oh, greatly. It's been the best to do it, I believe, yeah. So when you're dealing with the, the, the B2Bs, which we talked about, and you said you're going you do B2C, so can you give me some example of the B2C work that you do? Sure. So um, B2C, we're heavily involved in probably employee benefits. Um, we're staffing-wise, like the company wants to make their staffing feel better. Um, so we do peer-to-peer recognition in there. Mm. So it's a little bit different from the... To see that conventionally you sort of talk about, um, we we more engage a company to look at culturally, like as we said, to feel special. Like mm. at the end of the day, that's what laws is. So our staff can feel special being part of their own company. Um, that's a that's a major one of ours, I guess. Also through professional associations, um, whilst we engage the association to look after their benefits program or loyalty program, we are looking at what those um, professionals are actually in, in the individual rights, so like real estate agents or okay. doctors, as I mentioned. So yeah. we do a bit of that as well. Um, we've sort of, we, we're very boutique in that way. We haven't really gone into a mass market in terms of, um, I don't know, retail stores yet. Um, there's a lot of players out there and we just, found 
that our niche is probably in that sort of in that market. Yeah, okay, well, that's really interesting. So that the B2C, I thought that might be. So it's like a reward and recognition scheme, uh, an, an incentive scheme. Um, so, because that's one of the issues now for employers is keeping their employees engaged, keeping their employees in line with the brand and the culture. Because if the employees aren't trained or motivated or incentivized properly, then they can't deliver customer service, great customer service. So it shouldn't be about the customer, it should be about the employees because that they're the ones delivering the um, the service to the customer. Uh, and so have you found that it's helping employees, or sorry, helping employers get employees to stay longer? Because that's one of the issues with the millennials is they sort of sort of stay a year or two, then move on. It's quite transient. Have there has been any evidence of that? So we're quite... Um we're quite new to the market. Mm. Um, probably in the last two years we started. We've found that initial results it's always about, um, you know, it's great to have these loyalty programs, but they have to actually, like I said, like emotionally be invested for the people there that are using them. Mm. So especially with the millennials, as you talk about, um, finding what really is touching their button is, is, a, is a difficult process. Mm. Um, but it has changed the cult. We've seen it. Definitely a dramatic change in culture where all of a sudden um, it sort of moves on to not just what's about, what about me? It's about, oh, you know, like they've done a great job, let's reward them as well. Um, so culturally it's doing things, but I, I, I wouldn't want to say to you that, you know, we've, we've found a, uh, something that's worked drastically right for now. Right. Okay. Now, yeah. when when you're dealing with with the B two Bs and you said luxury car market, as I said, you've got good guys, you've got Booper, you've got Avis. What's the purpose of them engaging you? So, why do they have loyalty programs? Is there, have they all got the same reason, or do they vary um, on industry or category? Yeah. So everyone varies. Um, it, look, to be frank, a gross generalisation would be target marketing for them. Mm. Um, if they can, you know, they know it's return on investment. I guess they, um, unless they're transacting, then they're not getting the benefit that they would see, um, and then they can return. They can actually put dollars to it. So for the cars, they might throw out an extra discount or a corporate program where they get free servicing. And unless the guys you know, are using it, then they're not spending money on it, so to speak. So. It really goes down to the bottom dollar. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So, look, it's a fascinating era. You must, uh, you must get excited jumping out of bed every morning to work in an industry like this because it's so, uh, it's, uh, it's ever changing. I do actually. Believe it or not, I love it. Yeah, uh, I can every day is tell. Different and you, you get such a cross section of all businesses and seeing what they're doing. The ideas are amazing. So. There's some real uh, innovation. Well, they're sort of disrupting themselves before someone else disrupts them, and I think that's actually driven some innovative thinking and some creative strategic thinking in businesses, which is great to see. Yeah, but you know what? It's so funny because ultimately it all comes down, as I believe, is relationships, and it's the type of relationships they want to have with their customers or their suppliers, the engagement model. Um, but again, I thought if I had one word for it, it's, 
Yeah, it is all about dealing with people, isn't it? So we, we probably shouldn't be calling it B2C or B2B. It should be H2H, human to human, as I heard someone Correct. say. And yeah. that's what it's all about. Devesh Sangvi from Member Benefits Australia, thank you so much for your valuable time today. I really enjoyed our discussion. Thank you, Jackie. Thanks for having me. Thank you. You're listening to Taking Care of Business. If you've just joined us, you've missed a lot, but there'll be a podcast on the website, ardo.pfm.com.au, and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. That's the end of the show. Can't believe it goes so fast. We hope you've enjoyed eavesdropping on our conversation today, picked up some tips, learned something new, or at the very least feel inspired. If you just joined us, you missed a lot, but you can grab this show on the podcast on the RWPFM website, rwpfm.com.au, or follow us on social media. Thank you to all of our worldly guests today and we look forward to your company next Friday, 11am. In the meantime, keep taking care of your business.